0: Take your Bible, and I want you to go with me to two places. We're going to read the Word together, and then I'm going to teach uh, on this thought tonight, the operation of an apostolic church. Come on, look at your neighbor say, we are an apostolic church. Now, I, I want to talk about what that means, and I want to talk about what we mean by that. And um, we're going to talk about the function and the operation of an apostolic church tonight. I want you to start with me in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7. If you don't have your Bible, you can read it off the screen with us. Let's read this together. Read it out of your mouth in Cleveland. Read it out in Athens. Read it out in Tullahoma. Read it out here with me in Chattanooga. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Watch. And he himself, don't miss those words. Hold on, let's reread that. I'm I'm, breaking the flow but hear me very important words he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, this is, uh, that was like weird. Okay, we're gonna go to Mark chapter five, verse number one, this is the second portion. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read something to you tonight, praying I get through this part of the scripture, okay? In fact, Chad, uh, I think I gave you 20 verses, but I'm gonna read about four. When I tell you to stop, that's where we're gonna stop. Verse one, let's read it together. Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him a man, out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had, I'm gonna read the whole thing, forget it. Who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. How many know that's a strong spirit? And also, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshiped him. And he cried out with a loud voice, come on, and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Thank you, Lord. And he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Watch this, now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged Jesus saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000 and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned. In, how many know you are some kind of devil if a pig can't deal with you? Somebody say, say amen. Look at verse 14. So those who fed the swine fled, and they towed it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with Jesus to depart from their region. Look at this. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him. Look at this man. He begged Jesus that he might be with him. Look what Jesus says. I'm almost done. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Last verse. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, Stop, everybody underline Decapolis. Circle it, highlight it, spit on it, do something. I need you to see that word. He, the man delivered, departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. I wanna talk about the function of an apostolic church. Jesus help me tonight. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, so I read a lot of scripture tonight and I'm going to lay a, a foundation uh, for us to understand that I I brought this text about Gadara and the demoniac. I brought that to you tonight so that you can see. Um. A scriptural, biblical manifestation of what I feel like God is saying to us. And I'll explain more about that in a few moments. Fivefold. Five the fivefold. Everyone say fivefold. What is an apostolic church? So in the, in the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Paul tells us, and I read it to you, that everyone has received a measure how many remember the series we did on Metron? Anybody remember that series? Lift your hand if you remember that series. Everyone, look, look at your neighbor, tell them you have a measure. Everyone who gets saved and born again gets a measure, watch this, of the gift of Christ. No one, no one has all of the measure. Everyone has a measure which requires each of us to come together and bring our measure to the table so that this house is fully able to be the body of Christ in the community God has planted us in. In Cleveland, in Athens, in Tullahoma, in Chattanooga, and wherever else God takes us, it takes the body of Christ, each of us individually, to be fitly joined together, bringing our measure to the table so that the community that we are called to minister to has uh, is exposed if I could say it that way is exposed to the fullness of the grace that is available in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he gave some. Now these are what we call ascension gifts. How many read the scripture with me tonight and they saw, you saw where the Bible said uh As he ascended, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For that reason, we call them ascension gifts. It is the gifts that Jesus put in place on the earth at his ascension, don't miss this, so that the ministry of Christ that was in operation while he was on the planet continues to be in operation even though he ascended. Are you following me? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are nothing more than a manifestation of the ministry of Jesus in the earth. Jesus is the chief apostle. Jesus is the prophet of all prophets. Jesus is the evangelist who went to the woman at the well when he didn't have to and he won her heart and he, and he led her into newness of life. Jesus is the pastor, he's the good shepherd. Jesus is the teacher and the rabbi of all teachers. So when the Bible says that Jesus ascended and before he ascended or while he ascended, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, if not careful, we can begin to worship those ministry offices and those functions without recognizing the reason Jesus gave them is so that the earth is exposed to the ministry of Christ in the earth. You and I should be so full of Jesus that when broken, dying, lost humanity comes in contact with the Jesus in us, then if we're graced with an apostolic grace, if we're graced with a prophetic grace, if we're graced with an evangelistic grace, if we're graced with a pastor, whatever grace is on your life, there ought, to be some, um, there ought to be some impartation of that grace so that lives are changed. Do you follow what I'm saying? I could talk about prophetic grace tonight. I could talk to you about prophetic grace because we're a prophetic house and believe in prophetic ministry. People prophesied, you came in tonight, People were there were things swirling and dancing, people were singing and prophesying, reading scripture, praying prophetically. What is all of that? We've never seen that before. That's a prophetic house. We're not just a house that believes you do two fast songs and two slow songs and you pray a prayer and you take an offer and you preach three points and you go home. There's a swirling in the atmosphere. This is not just a place where we come in and mechanically know what we're going to do before we get here. There's a flow. This is not a pond or a lake, it's a river. Rivers don't stay still, rivers are flowing and when the river gets out of its banks and touches dead things, dead things come to life because the river is a living river. Can you say Amen. And that's a prophetic thing, and we're also evangelistic. I mean, we, we talk about winning souls. Gary Keelan and the team, and they train, and they go out, and they minister, and they knock on doors, and they give food, why? Because we're an evangelistic church. We wanna win the lost. We give altar calls at the end of messages because we want the lost to know Jesus came to save them. We're a pastoring church. You're not just called to get saved and go to heaven. You're supposed to be a part of a flock and a body, and we get to know one another. We love one another. We feed the people of God. We take care of the people of God. We visit the people of God. And we teach, we teach the people of God because ignorance is the enemy's greatest weapon. How many know if there is a truth, but we don't know it, then the truth, although it contains power, the power cannot be released. If we don't know it, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there's all of these graces. There's prophetic grace, there's evangelistic grace, pastoral grace, there's teaching grace, but I want to focus on apostolic grace for a few minutes tonight, okay? And I want to talk about this because when we say we're an apostolic church, some people have all kinds of ideas about what that means. Some are are accurate and some are crazy. And and when I preach on apostolic grace, I always, without question, get somebody who messages me and say, are you oneness? How many have ever heard uh, that correlation and connection between or UPC, uh, Jesus only, some would call it an apostolic. That is not the apostolic I'm talking about. I have many friends and brothers and sisters in the UPC church and I love them and they love God and I pray for them and we fellowship sometimes and that's wonderful. But when I say apostolic, I am not talking about a denomination. When I say we are an apostolic church, I mean to tell you that there is an apostolic grace on our house. And we need to talk about what that means and we need to discuss that because it might be foreign to some people. In this campus, in Cleveland, in Athens, in Tullahoma, what is an apostolic house? If Jesus calls apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, if each of those persons are um, given the grace, okay? So let me me make this comment. You can't be an apostle without having received an apostolic grace and an apostolic calling from Jesus. I am not interested in your title, I'm interested in the fruit of what you claim to be on your life. If you claim to be an apostle but there is no apostolic grace on you, and and there will be fruit from that grace. If you claim to be a prophet but there is no prophetic grace on you, you have a title but you don't have the mojo that makes it happen. I made the point tonight, and I want you to get this, that I do believe with all my heart Jesus himself is the one who calls apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I don't have to call myself anything. You don't have to call yourself anything. I think it's important to recognize apostolic grace when it is somewhere. If you don't recognize it and you don't honor it, that grace can't benefit you. I'm going to say that again. If you don't honor it and recognize it, I don't mean the man, I mean the grace. I don't mean the woman, I mean the grace. If you don't recognize it on someone, that this is why you have to be careful what you get comfortable around and complacent around. I, pretend I'm not your pastor, pretend I'm a visiting evangelist and I'm talking to you about your pastor because I don't want anybody to think I'm, because this house is so full of honor. But I want you to get what I'm getting ready to say. If your preacher, wherever you go, pretend you don't go here, pretend you go somewhere else, if your preacher is just a man to you and he's not a man endued, or a woman endued with the grace of God, then whatever's on his life can't be imparted to you if you can't honor the grace God put on him or her life, his or her life. They're not just an, a, a, a my homie. They're, they're, back when I was being raised, we, we believed that when we said a man or a woman of God, And it didn't mean that they were perfect. It didn't mean that they were better than anyone. It didn't mean we elevate them or worship them. In fact, if you're truly a man or woman of God, you reject people worship. But there's something about honoring the grace that Jesus put on them, the calling Jesus put on them. And when you say, God, I thank you for the grace, whether it be apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, I thank you for the grace on their life, then the grace Jesus has given them can actually minister to you and be a blessing to your life. I'll say one more thing. If you only have one manifestation of grace in your church, then you are depleted, you are deficient, and you are not operating efficiently. And I say this because some, some places get enamored with pastors. Pastor, 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 pastor. and everybody loves a pastor. Everybody loves the pastoral side. Everybody loves that shepherding side that makes you feel like, you know, uh, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Let's all hug and just sing kumbaya and Jesus is coming and praise God we're all a family. Right? That's great. But people sometimes don't like the order that apostles bring. People love pastors, but they don't like the correction a prophet brings. People love pastors because he's my shepherd and I'm his sheep and he makes me feel so safe and that's wonderful. But sometimes an evangelist needs to blow through and challenge the body to get motivated to win the lost. And so I don't ever want this house simply to rely on pastoral grace. We have pastors, we have a plethora of pastors in all locations and, and we have youth pastors and children's pastors and care pastors and we have worship pastors and we have executive pastors we have, and we have a senior pastor and we have, we have pastors. But I wanna tell you that this house, in order for it to be healthy, you can't just say, I claim the pastoral grace but I don't want nothing to do with the apostolic or the prophetic or the evangelistic grace. If you don't get exposed to those graces, then those blessings can't come on your church or your life. The reason some churches don't win the loss, there's no evangelistic grace. You ask people, when's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? Never, that ain't God. That church needs evangelist. I need some people to wake up on Wednesday night, that church needs evangelistic grace. Like bring an evangelist in and preach it hot and preach it loud and cry aloud and spare not, let his eyes pop out of his head while he's preaching. Get motivated to go win the loss, anybody know what I'm talking about? So. Jesus said, I gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the building up of the saints, which means if you don't have those graces operating in your church, and you don't expose your life to those graces, then you're missing something. And let me tell you, not everything that we hear is supposed to make us feel rosy. It's not, and let me say the other thing is, we don't need no Shiite, hateful Christians who come to the pulpit with a mean attitude. That is not what I'm talking about either. Prophets don't destroy things. They point people toward the heart of God. Apostles are not church bosses. Apostles have been sent by God. And this is what I want to zero in tonight on. As an apostolic church, we believe we have a grace, an apostolic grace resting on our church. And let me explain to you what that means. First of all, an apostolic grace comes from the from the gift of Jesus to the church for the purpose of an apostolic assignment. I hope you're taking some notes. I want you to write them down. You can do whatever. Athens, Cleveland, Tullahoma, Chattanooga. Just write some little notes down and jot this down. If we're going to be an apostolic church, it doesn't just mean that we have exposed ourselves to apostles. It means that we believe this house, watch, is sent on a kingdom assignment. Everybody say sent. 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 Sent is actually what the Greek word apostolos means. Apostolos means to send or sent one. Okay? So let me explain to you when Jesus called apostles, take him to write this down, apostles were not Christian terms initially the word apostle did not come from Jesus and the church. Apostles came from the emperor, emperor of Rome and Rome itself. And Rome, how many know the kingdom of Rome back in the day was like the kingdom, right? Okay. And, and they, were the, they, were the, they were the tyranny, the tyrants as it were, who essentially owned Israel, and that's why the, the people of Israel resented Rome for the most part, because Rome was the oppressor. And Rome had blitzed the entire known world and was taking over every country and destroying them with their mighty military, watch. And when the emperor of Rome sent um, the Roman army to those nations, after they defeated those nations, the emperor would send apostles. Roman apostles went to conquered nations, why? Because the emperor of Rome wanted the apostle he sent to go to the conquered nation and set up little Romes. It's called, everybody write this down, colonization. Okay, colonization, I don't wanna freak you out. And and I know that word means something in, in today's culture. That's I want you to hear me from a spiritual perspective. Colonization, the colonization of the kingdom of God, is that God would send his son to win the whole world. Jesus would pay the price, die on the cross, rise from the dead three days later, and ascend to the heaven, ascend to heaven on a cloud, right? But God sent apostles to go into the nations of the earth and to replicate the kingdom of God and to change the culture of that nation until that nation started looking like the kingdom from which the apostle was sent. So when I say we're an apostolic church, it means a couple of things. Let me break this down for you. Number one, it means we are not Okay, first, we are acknowledging that we are here to establish and advance the kingdom of God on earth. I could quit right there. I'm not going to, but I could. First thing I need you to understand is that as an apostolic church, we're not even here to build a great church, we're here to establish a kingdom. And as an apostolic church with an apostolic grace and an apostolic leader, I feel like God has sent us and is creating and building a a company and a family until this city and Tullahoma and Cleveland and Athens began to look more like heaven on earth than just the cesspool of society that we see on the news every night. There ought to be a difference when the kingdom people show up. There ought to be a quantifiable, qualifiable difference in our communities because we're in, if the church can shut down and the community doesn't know it, you are not an apostolic church. My God, I felt that down to my feet. An apostolic church is not, hear me, this is so different than what we were raised in. For me it was anyway. We are not just here to have good Sunday morning church services. Most of the time Sunday morning church services are for the found. We get strengthened, we pray, we prophesy, we get edified, we worship Jesus, we take communion, we hear the word, we get marching orders and we go demonstrate the kingdom but we meet for Well, we do meet for a while on Sunday morning. We meet for two or three hours. (laughs) And some people are like, do we have to stay that long? And some people say, can we stay longer? We're not just here for great church services. We seriously believe we're apostolic that God sent us to Chattanooga. He sent us to Athens. He sent us to Cleveland. He sent us to Tullahoma, and he's gonna send us to other places, not so that we can just have another church. We just really believe we're apostolic in the sense that God sent us on a mission so that our cities he sends us to can start looking like heaven on earth. I had an amazing meeting today with our family uh, leaders, some of our leaders from the Athens family. They came down and we met today and we had a wonderful conversation. I believe it was uh, Carrie who was talking about the way churches, even in the community we are in there, some of them have, it's like the ministry of other churches has risen. We put, For, for instance, we put signs out all down the road where our Athens campus is, big 12-foot signs, flopping in the breeze, most loving church in the world, redemption to the nation church, all these signs. And the guy that said something out is like, I don't want to put the signs up. But he puts them up every Sunday because they attract people and people are like, oh, that must be a church we're going to go into there. No one else in the city had signs. We put signs up, everybody in the city's got signs. No, no, listen, and there are other things that we borrow from other people because we understand that the kingdom, there's just some ways kingdom people do kingdom things and I call it kingdom buoyancy. When you have a bathtub full of water and you put an object in the bathtub, it displaces and causes the water to rise. I think kingdom churches ought to go into cities and every church in the city ought to get a lift from the presence of those churches. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like like we ought to improve and we ought to see what God is doing, and we ought to we ought to love and celebrate when other churches have a victory, and we need to we need to be a part of that. And we recognize that sometimes God calls us just to be who he called us to be, and in so doing, the whole community gets a lift. I think that's tremendous. I think that's apostolic, I think it's kingdom. We're not here. I'm gonna say it one more time. I don't build churches. Show me where I build a church. I can show you where Jesus said he would build a church. You missed a good place to say amen. And I'm going to take a drink of water. Jesus said upon this rock, I will build my church. I retired, I want to say this, I need to announce this. I retired from the church building business years ago. Let me tell you what we do. We don't build the church. What we do is pour into people. What we do is teach the truth. And equipped people are used by the hands of Jesus to build his kingdom. We didn't start out with this campus. How many have been here for some time? Lift your hand if you've been here for some time. Yes. Okay. Anybody been with me from the beginning in the room tonight? From the beginning? Okay. Yes. Okay. Listen. Listen. I, I see you back there, Holly and James, come on girl, got that baby, James, that's like your, what, eighth kid, 10th, six, okay, I knew it was close, okay, they've been with us from the beginning, what's the point, back in the day we had 24, pe- 34 people up by the front of the road in a little bitty building, I didn't see any of this. I drove past this building every day of my life as a boy when it was Highland Park Baptist Church. My nanny, my granny, and my papa used to drive me down Bailey Avenue in their Buick, and I look and say, That's the biggest building I've ever seen in my life. Never in a million years could you have made me believe back then as a little boy driving down Bailey Avenue one day we'd be in this church together. But Jesus builds the church apostolic means number 1 we are not here to build our thing i think sometimes people get frustrated with the preacher because they believe the preacher is building what he wants to build you ought to be in my shoes he gives the blueprint we have to come to earth and build it we we have to do just 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 follow the plan he's going to build it just follow the plan and sometimes people don't like the plan that the preacher is following but he didn't create the plan I need to tell everybody in every city and every location watching me tonight, it's his plan. It's his plan. Now, apostolic number one means that we are, um, we are here to establish and advance the kingdom of God. Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is in heaven. We believe that's our mission. If you go outside in the lobby on your way out, the right it says we aspire to me, or left it says we aspire to be the most loving church in the world. On the right it says demonstrate the kingdom of God. I love it when it gets quiet. It's so weird. It's it's the mission. It's the purpose. We're not here to grow big churches. We're here to grow big people. We do that by demonstrating a way of kingdom life that makes people want to be a part of the kingdom. Number two, we acknowledge we are on an assignment from God as we advance and establish his kingdom. Let me say this. Every church has a different wrinkle and a different nuance and a different assignment. Not every church is going to do it the same and look the same. If if our gauge and our ability to measure success is based on doing it like someone else did it, you'll... And, and, and if you look at the kingdom of God and you say, if it really is the kingdom of God, why isn't it all the same? Why doesn't everybody believe the very same thing? I think there's actually beauty and diversity. Even the way we worship. I mean, if I broke out, okay, here we go, here we go. It's 804. If I broke out in a red back Kim right now, if I broke out, see, see this? You hear this man yelling at me to sing. If I broke out in a red back Kim, there would be a hunt we would have 100 people stand up, whoo, buck their head, clap, and know the page number I was singing from, right? And then we sing a prophetic song no one's ever heard before. And then another generation enters that and they're like, whoo, this is the glory of God. And the people who know Redback Hymns are like, what are we doing? We've sung this 53 times, what are we doing? Here's what we're doing. Ready? Here's what we're doing. We're just trying to follow the cloud. There are sometimes we break out in a song everybody knows, and we need the we I call them gathering songs. Songs that gather everybody. Everybody knows them, so we're gonna sing them. And And then there are gonna be songs where the Holy Ghost gets in the middle and angels ascend and descend and a swirl starts happening. And we just get caught up and yes, we sing it 50 times, but don't tell me we need a new song. Angels are still singing the same song they've been singing from the beginning of singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I don't know if I can sing it again. You will sing it for all of eternity. And the reason we have a problem singing it in the modern church is because we don't have our eyes on the right throne. But when we get there and we see him, there will be no boredom, there will be no weariness. We will be fascinated with the fire that is in his eyes and we will sing holy, holy, holy. And we'll also sing I'll fly away. It's true. I think we'll do some all all of it, hallelujah. (laughs) My point is this, and I've said this from the beginning, it's one reason why I believe we're able to do it. Not because I said it, but because it's the truth. Churches specialize in finding the preference of the people and we don't. I wanna have the heart of God. I want to sing the song of the Lord. Do you know when you get to heaven? Do you know this? The oldest song in the Bible. Do you know what the oldest song in the Bible is? It's the Psalm of Moses. The song of Moses is the oldest recorded song in the Bible. Do you know when we get to heaven, we will sing two songs: the song of the Lamb. Read it tonight when you go to bed. Go read it. We will sing the song of the Lamb, and we will sing the. I'm going to stand up and preach here. We will sing the oldest song in the whole Bible when we get to heaven: the song of Moses. Please hear what I'm getting ready to tell you. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. This is not in my notes. It is the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what year the song was written in, that doesn't make it the song of the Lord. What makes it the song of the Lord, whether it was written in 1600 by John Newton or whether it was written in 2023, by Maverick City, the song of the Lord is the song God wants in that moment because he's up to something in that moment. And I don't care if it's amazing grace, how sweet the sound, I don't care if it's hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again. Or if it's whatever new song we sing, hear me, we're a generational church. And we want the will of God to be done because in that moment, the prophetic breaks through and lives get transformed and changed. Can you say amen? So we're, we're, we're not, I'm not, I don't, I don't wanna build for people. I wanna love people, lead people, develop people, pour into people, but we can't build a church that makes people happy. But you can build a church. You can be a part of a church that honors the king. And if the king shows up and manifests his presence, people will come because I have found you and I really don't care about what kind of building it's in. We just want to be where the king is. Anybody just want to be where the king is? Okay, so we're on an assignment. That's what apostolic means. We've been sent by God to replicate and to colonize. Everyone say colonize. Thirdly, we acknowledge as an apostolic church that we have a measure of influence, a sphere of influence, watch, and if we stay in our assignment and in our lane, we will be fruitful and successful. Okay, take that in. If we stay in our measure, in our metron, in our lane, that's the modern day verbiage, If we'll do what God called us to do and not try to do what everybody else in the church world is doing, just do what God's calling and laying on our heart leading us to do. If we stay in our lane, everyone connected to this house will walk in the blessing of the Lord. Doesn't mean we won't have bad days or challenges or trials or go through seasons and situations. I'm just telling you, if you really get your life planted in the right church, wherever that is for you and your family, you will flourish. I got three amens. You will flourish if you will quit shopping churches and get planted somewhere. I see people who never become what they're called to be and never step into purpose and fulfillment. Why? Because we spend our life floating. As trees, we can't flourish if we're floating. Floating trees don't flourish. Planted trees do. So, Let's stay in, I I just want us to stay in our lane. Apostolica, we're always evaluating. We're always like, you know, what do we need to change? What do we need to enhance? What do we need to make better? But there are some things that I'm not evolving on. Not just because it's me, but because I believe God is saying, Wallace, stay faithful to what I called you to do. Stay faithful to what I called you to do. And I know sometimes, you know, we see in in the world of ecclesiology, which is the study of the church and the things of the church, in the study of ecclesiology, we see the trends, right? We see the trends. You've got to have a 20-minute service if you want to grow. Then I don't want to grow. I really don't care about exploding and getting bigger. If you get bigger but nobody gets bigger, then you're not getting bigger. You're growing a crowd but you're not growing people. What is that? During COVID, everybody's like, "We want to have church." You come back from COVID, and people are like, "We're having too long. It's too long." Not here. I'm just talking about you. Go preach. Pastors are like, "Since COVID, our church is different. We only have 50-minute services." I'm like, "Bro, you called the wrong dude." I don't even get through an introduction in 50 minutes. Are you kidding me? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tra- I'm gonna I'm gonna transition right here. An apostolic church is one on a kingdom assignment and a kingdom mission, okay? If we're on a kingdom assignment and we're on a kingdom mission, then the question has to be asked, how do you get an assignment? From whence does the assignment of God come to a local church? I believe it starts in the heart of a leader, I just do. I'm unfortunately in the position of preaching tonight and teaching, and so it's weird to stand up and say that I believe it starts in the heart of a leader. But I can only tell you what I feel like the Bible teaches. When God starts a movement, he touches the heart of a woman or a man. And when God touches that heart and that person accepts that grace and that calling, God begins to move. It is never about the man or the woman God touches. And it is an assignment too big for a man or a woman to do alone. If it is an assignment from God, it will require you building relationships and partnerships with other people. You will never be able, you say, well, I'm an evangelist. I do things all by myself. I travel all by myself. Let me know how that goes for you. Because even evangelists need teams even even Moses needed them to lift his hands up. I don't care how big of a man, or woman of mighty faith and power you are. Everyone needs kingdom partners to do kingdom assignments. And there are a myriad of ways those assignments come. I believe it enters the heart of a man or a woman first. And then I believe people begin to hear that assignment They begin to operate and sense and receive from the grace and they begin to partner with it and God begins to build a family. Some time ago I was in prayer. I'm sharing something very personal with you and it's something I'm still living out, walking out and processing. I didn't plan on sharing this. Some time ago, just maybe a month and a half, two months ago, I was in prayer. And the Lord said to me, Kevin, I called you to be a father, not a face. And he said to me, do you want to be a father or do you want to be a face? And I began to weep before the Lord. Because a lot of ministries have become about a face. But I have found out that if you focus on a face and it's not the face of Jesus, then the, th- the whole thing gets deformed. And I just told the Lord, I don't wanna be a face. I wanna be a father that raises up a family of people who do what God has called them to do in the earth and pour everything you've ever poured into me, Lord, into their lives so that they can go do greater things than even you've allowed me to see and do. And I'm not saying this because it's me. I'm just telling you that is apostolic. Apostles are fathers and mothers who don't want credit and glory. They want to build the family so that the family can go do what God has called them to do. Amen? Amen. So so God will touch the heart of a man or a woman, right? God will touch the heart of a man or a woman. But then that family comes together, watch, and God begins to give them an assignment. And there are a myriad of ways that assignments can come to churches, but one of the ways that, and I'm gonna finish with this, one of the ways an assignment can come to a church is through a prophetic word. Somebody say prophetic word. In 22 years of pastoring, I can tell you that we're sitting in a building that is a result of a prophetic word. I can tell you that there are things that happened along the journey that are the result of us adding our faith to the word of the Lord that God gave us. And oftentimes, God would give a prophetic word to the church in the Bible, in the New Testament, and they would, it would materialize and manifest based on their ability to accept and receive the assignment and say yes to what God had called them to. Now, I say all that to say, for several years, I've been operating according to a prophetic word that I don't know that I've ever shared with you. And the reason I don't share it is because, number one, when I share it, I am responsible for the sharing of that word as your pastor, right? And I'm very, very slow. If you don't know this about me, you'll get to know about me. The Bible doesn't say the leaps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you leap, wonderful. If you're a jumper and you're like, I gotta make 10 miles today. Great, go for it, Dev. That's wonderful. Run, run, run. (laughs) Run, 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 run. That's wonderful. I'm walking. I'm walking. Steps. (laughs) Dev runs everywhere. I walk, right? And I feel spiritual when I'm walking. I feel as victorious in my walk as she does in her run. Hallelujah. (laughs) I believe in the steps of a good man being ordered by the Lord. And sometimes God will speak a word to you and we in the church, we get so giddy over prophetic words that we release them too early and we speak them frivolously. And sometimes, Joseph, you jeopardize the fulfillment of that word by sharing it out of season with the wrong people. At the same time, there are sometimes it's very important that you and I be aware of what God is doing. And oftentimes what he's doing is a result of what he said he'd do. And I wanted to share that with you tonight because I did receive a prophetic word. One that hit me in a very, very deep place in one of the most transitional seasons of my life. And there are a handful of people in here who know that season. I was in a denomination without any scandal, without any reason to leave. I felt God called me out of it. It was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. I cried, I wept, I rolled in the floor, I begged God, I said that's not the Lord, and I didn't want it to be, but it was God's will. And when I left that thing and I walked away, I went into a wilderness of sorts for a year of my life, just to be very transparent. I had left something I knew was God. God had blessed us immensely while we were there, and then at the voice of the Lord, the whisper of God, I said, I'm going to follow the voice of God and leave. I knew I heard God, and I knew God had spoken to me these words. And I've told you this story. You don't understand this, but I am bringing streams together. How many remember me telling you that? For there is a river whose streams whereof make glad the city of our God. That's all the word I got but I didn't know what God was going to do. I didn't have a network, I didn't have friends, like tons of friends, I I left everything I knew, literally almost, in the kingdom of God when I left. And I went to a wilderness, a lot of soul searching, a lot of prayer, Lord, what are you saying? I'm gonna show you a clip. At the end of that wilderness, a friend of ours, how many have ever heard of Dutch sheets? Lift your hand if you heard of Dutch, okay. So Dutch is a friend and Dutch rented our building in 2018. And he brought a friend to our church who I had never met, who had never met me. He had never known about me, never prophesied to me, never shook my hand. He came here that night for the first night. His name was Chuck Pierce. Anybody ever heard of Chuck Pierce? Okay. He's a national prophet. I've heard his name and the, and the, uh, the reputation of Chuck Pierce is solid throughout the kingdom. And he actually from this pulpit in that same service that night prophesied, he didn't call it COVID. He said, I see something coming out of China. If you were here, you remember this. He said, I see an attack coming out of China and I see a long line of people in hospitals. That was in 2018. He stood right here and prophesied it. And he talked about a a sickness coming on the world and it happened just like it was weird. It's wild, unbelievably accurate. In that same night he was here He's, he began to prophesy to me and Devin without knowing us. And I, I wanted to share that clip with you. I want to take five minutes after you see it to explain what I think he, what God was saying, and then we're gonna pray. And I, I hope and pray this translate into Tullahoma, Cleveland, and Athens. Chad, if you can help me, I want you to roll that clip right now.
1: The new mantle for the year is a wineskin. It's we pour it, we make it, and I'm going to just send it down with Dutch. He'll open it up and he'll put it on you. He'll hold it up so you can see it. And the Lord says, what you've been going through has been key for the future of this nation. For you have gained a platform to be used. And you will become a model of church advancing kingdom. You'll become a model of how a kingdom movement rises up and true transformation occurs within a city you will begin to model things so the lord says get ready you will no longer be able to be safe in developing this for the lord says i'll give you 10 cities now and from those 10 cities you'll begin to change the course of what will be happening you'll be on teams that change cities so the Lord says, now you're initiated into a new wine skin. We pour these heart-wise, we, we do it. And the Lord says, now what has been going on for seven years here will be poured out. And the nation will watch the wine pour from this place. That brings all of us to this place. See, we're in a time that we have to
0: overturn old cycles. We don't have a choice. Amen. So, when he said that, like, I don't wanna say this because God would never do it, but it was like the Lord just, it hit me so deep, I fell over, you saw me. Remember that guy, he's like, I crumpled the poor kid. Remember that video? I felt like <laughs> I felt like the guy God hit me right in this. I mean, it just I fell over. The power of God hit me. I have operated on that word since 2018, and I've never really shared it with you. In fact, I shared it with the staff just three weeks ago at Staff Advance, and everybody's like, "We never knew this." True, and. Why am I sharing it tonight? Because I think sometimes we wonder, what are we doing in Athens? What are we doing in Cleveland? What are we doing in Tullahoma? What are we doing in Chattanooga? We're not doing much of anything except trying to follow him. I've never seen it like this before. I want you to know when we came to Athens, we didn't go looking for a ministry to join. A woman, a precious woman of God, I preached for as a 19-year-old boy, uh, uh, Aaron, can you come help me, please? If I hear something, I'll start landing, okay? He, she, we meet each other at a wedding. I haven't seen her in 20 years. We sit down and she said, I believe this is the providence of God. We're through pastoring, and I felt like God wanted me to give you the church so that you can make it a redemption to the nation's campus. My wife is sitting there. My mouth hits the ground. Thus is born the Athens campus, and Pastor Arnwine, she is such a... A mighty woman of God, she still sits in that church every single Sunday and Wednesday in Athens and supports Pastor Chris and Amy and supports this house and is a part, come on, is a part of what God's going on. And Pastor Arnwine, we love the Arnwine family and we salute you for that. And then, Cleveland. I I have since I was 17 years old felt like God would call us to do something in Cleveland never push the buttons. The Trees and Trends building, the old Walmart comes open. There are businesses in line for that building and it just so happens that the man who is connected to owning that building watched our services on Sunday morning on television and essentially said if that preacher wants the building and God worked through Denise Cassida, who's a wonderful member up at the Cleveland campus, her and Tom are precious people. She's a secretary in that operation. And because of those connections, guess who got to lease the building? Redemption to the nations. Everybody's like, how did you do that? God. And then I go to Ruach this year. Mike Irwin, who's sitting with his precious wife right now in Tullahoma with the Tullahoma family. Mike and Teresa. Teresa. All those years they poured into the, their, their ministry there in Tullahoma, he comes to see me. The Monday after Ruach, after coming to see me in March, he says, Bishop, I feel like God wants me to give you the church and the land and everything else with it so that you can make it a RTTN church. And I said, Mike, you need to go on a one month vacation and I'm not taking your church. Well, he didn't go on a one month vacation. He had a heart attack and a triple open bypass or whatever that is. And then I felt horrible. I thought, my God, I've killed the man. Thankfully he survived, but he had an open heart surgery with triple bypass and I'm sitting there and I'm, and he sits down with me the Monday after Ruach. Is this okay? I know this is not a sermon, but I need to share heart and vision with you. And he essentially slides everything he's worked for 15 or 20 years across the table and he looks at me and he says, I am done. And his wife, I looked at his wife and she said, he's done and I'm done. And I said, okay, we don't go make these things happen. But God said 10 cities. I don't know what will happen this year. I don't know what will happen next year. I learned with this whole thing God is doing. Just worship him and serve him and let him do what he wants to do. He may not give us another campus for five, 10, 15 more years. I don't know. I want you to be aware that we're on an assignment. Not one we chose, not one where we got in a boardroom and said, let's conjure up a way to market the church and make it grow. It's not how we're doing this. I hope you'll trust that the hand of the Lord is moving at the speed of the kingdom. And we're just trying to move with the hand of God. Let me tell you why I would share that with you. Number one, I want you to be aware. Number two, the most important thing he said in that prophecy for me is teams. T-E-A-M-S. I told our church staff last two weeks ago, whenever we had our staff advance, I said, it's easy for God to give us buildings and property and resources, but the hard work is building leaders and people who can do it. So here's what I wanna say. I didn't even plan on saying it this way. To Athens, to Tullahoma, to Cleveland, to Chattanooga. I don't know when this will happen. I don't know the expansion rate and the speed with which things will expand, but if you've ever had it in your heart to be a part of an apostolic team that plants and launches a local church and you're not gonna get bent out of shape if it don't happen next week. If you're like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna sell everything I've got and I'm gonna move into the church. No, we don't need that, okay? Don't get weird. Be patient. It may not happen for months, weeks, or years. But there may be people who wanna be part of teams. In Tullahoma, in Athens, in Cleveland, in Chattanooga. I just wanna have apostolic teams that are ready to go when God opens up a door. Why do we do this? Because the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. And I want earth to look more like heaven on earth. And I believe if we're aspiring to be, stand with me. The most loving church in the world. Please stand in Cleveland and Tullahoma and Athens. I want to pray for the family today. I need you to know we're not pushing doors open. We're not making things happen. I'm not chasing some marketing plan. I came here on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. And that's my favorite place to pray. When I come, I get down there on my seat and kneel down and Sometimes I walk, but I'm still praying the same prayers today that I prayed 22 years ago when we started. Lord, this is all yours. You have a yes from us. Whatever you want us to do, we want to do it. I recognize this assignment on this house is different perhaps than anything you've been part of or church you've been into before. Athens, Cleveland, Tullahoma, Chattanooga, hear me. I know it can be perceived as different. I'm just telling you, throw away the blueprints. I'm throwing away mine. And I've said to the Lord in 2024, what kind of church are you building? For our children? For the future? If they come up with another pandemic How do we COVID proof the church so that they can never put us out of business? How do we build teams? How do we get people activated and motivated and not just in pews? All those things we have to pray it out. But I don't believe God's gonna give us 10 cities and not give us the people to make those ministries work and do it well. So in the coming days and weeks and months, you'll be hearing about opportunities to be a part of, I don't need any other word to call them, apostolic teams. Because I don't believe God's through blessing our church and I don't believe expansion is over. I believe he's just getting started. I've given it to him and I'll never make it happen. And it's like Devin says, we won't fake it, but we won't fight against it either. So this is vision, this is not a sermon. This is an ordering of steps and hopefully prophetic information that I hope you understand is information from heaven regarding the future of our church. And if you're with it, I just want you to lift your hands so we can just say, God, here we are again. We, we're not here for us. We're not, here for, we're not gonna be faces for this. We wanna be fathers and mothers and we wanna build family and we wanna see your kingdom come and your will be done. We've been talking about building family for 22 years. We're still building family. We're not building a corporate structure, we're building a family. People are sick of church as corporate structure. People want organic, grassroots Jesus in the midst of everything we're doing. That's what we want in this house. If you're with it, lift your hands, Father. We just say, I feel the Spirit of God coming in this room right now. Thank you for partners. Thank you for family. Thank you for people that are moving with you at the speed of the kingdom. Thank you for Cleveland and Athens and Tullahoma and Chattanooga, and thank you for beyond. Thank you for locations and properties. Thank you for people who are Even generational legacy and blessing where people who built something in one generation see that it's time to transition. Or maybe down the road they'll say, Bishop, take this. We want to see you take it. Whatever it is, it's just for you, Lord. I don't know where and I don't know when and I don't know how, but I say yes. And like Mary, Lord, I say, be it to us according to your word. Lord, I pray that there would be an activation in hearts of people who are supposed to be part of teams in the future, be it three years from now, six years from now, seven years from now, 10 years from now, I thank you. We will not only have the resources we need for every location, but we will have the leaders and the people, the teams of people who will be transformation teams to go in and, man, I feel this, thank you, Lord. Just go in and transform cities by the anointing, the grace, and the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, God, temper our excitement and expectation with patience and wisdom. Don't let people get all excited and giddy and then frustrated that it doesn't happen next month. Give them wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give us patience. Give us the fruit. Give us the fruit of the Spirit as we just walk walk with Jesus. Thank you. Walk with you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the alignment that's coming to our house for every campus, for every campus pastor, I thank you for it now, God. We will not lack for any good thing. We will have everything that you need us to have to do everything you've called us to do. I thank you for the development of people in this room, in Athens, in Cleveland, and in Tullahoma. I thank you that you are going to build mega people. We don't have to be a mega church, but you are building mega people who will do great things for the glory of God. Now I speak blessing over their lives, over their families this week. This will be a week where you begin to concretize and seal some things in their heart. Some people have been feeling some kind of way and the words I've spoke tonight are confirmation of something they've been feeling. Just connect the dots, sew our hearts together, knit our hearts together so that we can run and we can do the work of the kingdom. I bless Pastor Chris and Crystal. I bless Pastor Chris and Amy. I bless the teams in Athens. I bless the team in Cleveland. I bless the team in Tullahoma. I bless the team here in Chattanooga. I thank you, God, for the people. Now, Lord, help us to build people and to edify the body until we all come into the stature of the Son of God, till our faith is no longer blown about with every wind of doctrine, make us a stable, steadfast house, not shaken by the times, but founded on Jesus and his words. Raise up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers out of this house, out of Cleveland, out of Athens, out of Tullahoma. Raise up psalmists and singers and minstrels, prophetic singers and prophets and prophetesses. God, we just say yes to the plan of the Holy Spirit. Come on, get your heart open with me. Lord, we just say yes. Lord, raise up an intercession team out of this house. Raise up intercessors that'll keep the wall and will watch and will keep their eyes ahead, Lord. I thank you for the intercessors of this house house. Lord, you're going to start putting people in the right place. Alignment is coming to this house. Seats are getting filled. Lord, it feels like musical chairs right now, but you're just making space and place for people. And I thank you for it. Just help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I thank you. You're going to get the glory. And everyone said, can we give him praise all over this room tonight? Amen. I love you. I will see you Sunday morning, and I'll see you, I hope, Sunday night at 5 p.m., whatever location you go to. Come on, help me tell Athens, Tullahoma, and Cleveland good night. We love y'all. Chattanooga, I love you. Family, have a blessed week, and I'll see you Sunday in the house of the Lord. Go in the peace of God.